Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You're listening to part three of Dr. Dan's interview right here on Freedom Forum Radio with Jim Satilli. We pick up right now where we left off last week. Well, and that's for the basic fact that criminals want soft targets when they have a choice. You know, in the 60s when I was a street cop, crime was out of control in New York City. There was 2,500 homicides just in New York City. There was all kinds of crime. You know, I mean, I, I had 11 medals in 11 years. Not because I'm that good, but when I'm surrounded by crime. Now, it wasn't really Giuliani that changed all that. I'll tell you what caused the drop in crime. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you that in the 60s, you couldn't even get to a phone to, get to call the cops. There was no 9-11. And every pay phone in New York City was broken into already. Uh, if you're on the street and you have a problem, you have to get a citizen to go to a grocer or a, a butcher who has one of those little black rotary phones dial O and ask for the operator to get you the cops. So I got in trouble several times. It took a long time for me to get help. Today, every citizen is a 911 potential. Everybody's got a cell phone. The certainty of the new discoveries on the DNA that you can be pinned down for a crime is what lowered the crimes. The use of video surveillance systems all over the place the criminals have seen that it's rather easy to get caught now. And that's why crime... It's not because the bad guys, be, you know, decided to put on a white hat. It's because the electronics have, have got caught up with the criminals. It's hard to commit a crime without being discovered or reported. And um, people, you know, can call 911 when they see something suspicious. So that, that, that's really an advance in our society, that crime has gone down because of those reasons. 
So let's advance our discussion to the home itself, because kind of a different set of principles are involved in your home. We know that in North Carolina, we have the Castle Doctrine, which is which is a new piece of legislation. What exact protections does that give a homeowner inside his home? Well, the law covers you when, when you're in your home or your place of business or in your vehicle. The, some changes were recently made. What happens here is really that the Castle Law makes a presumption up front. You know, when, you, when you're on the street and, and you have to prove, you know, in order to use deadly physical force, you have to clearly describe that deadly physical force was being used against you. Well, if someone breaks into your home or is unlawfully pleasant, present in your house or tries to remove you from your house, your car, or your office, a presumption is made by the law. The law has presumed openly that you're in danger, that you can use deadly physical force under these circumstances. You don't have to search for facts and circumstances. The law assumes it. If you're, the Castle Law says if you're in your home, your car, or your office, you can use deadly physical force against someone who's broken in or tries to remove you. You know, we had a car hijacking in, in, in Franklin on a side street on Roller Mill Road. Two guys, probably from out of town, stopped the car, robbed them at gunpoint, and took the car and their money. You, you say this doesn't happen in Franklin. Well, it happened last year, you know. I was surprised at it. But, you know, if you get some criminals from out of town that want to get out of there, they're going to hit somebody like that or they're going to take somebody out in the evening at an ATM where they're getting cash. These are the likely possibilities. And you know what? That law was recently changed. Two years ago, you couldn't go to a bank or an ATM with your pistol. Now you can. Thank goodness the legislature recognized this, and they, they now allow you to go into financial institutions, as long as there's not a sign on the door preventing you. When we were talking about the use of deadly force out in public or out on the street, the requirement is that you retreat to a place of safety. Now, what the Castle Doctrine really has defined, it has defined your home, your car, and your business as a place of safety. And so if you're there, you have already retreated to your place of safety. Exactly. The law law says, the Castle Law says, you can stand your ground when you're in those circumstances. And people often refer to this, you know, Florida has it. Georgia has it, the stand-your-ground law, they call it. All all that means is that you don't have to retreat if you're in your home, your business, or your car. And um, you're correct. And it's good that they did that because it's spelled out. The law makes a presumption for you up front. You don't have to think very hard about it. Um, But if if, if someone's in your home, you know, you, you probably have a problem. You know, I don't think, there's one thing you have to understand about people who break into your house. I can't imagine a person of normal facilities trying to go into somebody's house. My experience with the burglaries and the, and the criminal entries is that he probably didn't know you were home. 
okay? You had your car in the shop or something. He didn't see a car. He didn't see a light. And he entered your house. He really doesn't. Why would a burglar want to get into a confrontation when it's so easy to go into an empty house and collect all the electronics and jewelry and get out of there, you know? You know, you put them in the pillowcase and you get out of there. Watch out for guys carrying pillowcases. <laughs> so, but I think that you have to understand one thing about people who might be found in your home. How did they get brave enough to do this? And the answer is very clear, drugs. These people are under the influence of drugs. That, that guy that I had a shot, I, I put six shots at him, I hit him four times. He never felt that. He was so high on amphetamine that he didn't feel the pain. And you know what? He didn't care. And I'll tell you a personal experience. I was up at the VA in Asheville because they had to put me in this tube. It's like a torpedo launch tube to take an MRI. And, you know, as I get older, and, and even though I'm a pilot and I've been in some small cockpits, I really can't take being in a machine. So I have a prescription for Alprazolam, which is the generic of Xanax. I popped one of those pills a half hour before I went in there. And you know what? I didn't care where they put me. I floated right through that whole deal. It was no trauma to me. Why? I was high. And that's what's going on with the guy that's in your house. He's buzzing along. His brain is affected by drugs. He could care less what you're going to do. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the extra thing you have to deal with. I'm dealing with a guy who doesn't care if he's shot, doesn't care if he hurts me. Generally, they don't break into your house when you're home unless they know that you're a person who carries a lot of cash. We've seen it in the newspapers. People brag. They show 20 grand in their pocket. They flash money. They tell people and employees they've got 100000 in cash and they're safe. They keep money at home in large quantities. Those people can be targets for an armed robbery. And that's when it happens, when, when the criminal knows something. And listen, you know, you, you have workmen coming in and out of your house. It doesn't mean that they're bad people, but they'll tell somebody else, hey, this guy's got, you know, a five-carat diamond laying right there on the, on the bureau, you know. So one guy tells another and then finally gets to the ear of a criminal and he's going to come in and try to, you know, make some money for himself. If they know you have a store, you're a business owner. And by the way, most business owners that I know who deal in cash receipts, they carry. 10% of the general public has a concealed carry permit in North Carolina. I would say that less than 1% actually carry on a day-to-day basis. It's only the ones that deal with cash and might be exposed, you know, or valuables. You know, uh, you own a jewelry store, you know you could have a problem, right? But, you know, these you, you have to keep in mind you're dealing with people. When they're on drugs, they're in a different world. You're not dealing with a normal person. And you should never try to reason with these people. Because, they're, they're, you know, if you, if you catch them and you, you get a gun on them, they'll tell you any story. They'll tell you 
my mother's in the hospital. She needs a big operation. I don't have the money. I just found Christ while we're talking. You know, I mean, they, they'll do anything. They'll lie beyond. And I, I'm a very trusting guy, a victim of a parochial education. You know, everybody's good. When I became a cop, I, I was in for a hard awakening. You know, especially the drug users. They lie. You wouldn't believe how they lie. So you don't want to get involved with talking to someone you catch in your house. Dial 911, tell them to shut up, get on the floor, spread his arms and legs out so you can see him. Um, but keep in mind that if he wants to get up and run, if he really knows the law, you can't shoot him if he wants to run. That's an execution. That's not protecting yourself. He's unarmed. We have to take a quick commercial break here on Freedom Forum Radio. More right after this. If if someone is in your house, okay, and you don't know who he is, okay, then you really have the right to presume that he's up to no good. Yes. And, and you can probably assume he's broken in if you've locked the house when you left, you know. You, you could probably make that assumption. Again, you know, people of ordinary firmness, are they going to believe this story? I mean, if it's a true story, they'll believe it. You know, and, and look. Legally, let's say you come into your house and there's two guys holding your Sony 55-inch television. Two guys, right? And they're walking across your living room as if they're going to leave. What do you do? Well, technically under the law, if you don't see that they're armed, you can't point a pistol at them. That's the way the law reads, because you're threatening the use of deadly physical force where it may not be justified. But you don't really know if they're wrong. But there's nothing wrong with you having your pistol out, especially in your house. You can draw it, point it at the floor, and if, if they start to reach for anything, you know, and it looks like it's a pistol, you can shoot. But what you have here is you've caught two burglars. What do you do in this circumstance? I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd, I'd just tell them, put the TV down. Don't make any fast moves. Put your hands on the floor and lay down with your arms out. I would dial 911 and I would keep them there. But I understand that I don't have the right to make a citizen's arrest. I don't have that right. If they understood their rights, they could get up and run. And you're not allowed to shoot them while they're fleeing. Most criminals don't understand that, unless they're listening to this program. <laughs> we don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we're, we're talking to citizens who need this kind of information. What do you do? So we have the Castle Doctrine. What would you say are some of the important misconceptions in the public about the Castle Doctrine? Well, you know, the way the law is written... I recently did an article for the Asheville Citizen Times. Two or three instructors called the state to complain. And because the, a lot of instructors, you know, all instructors have to interpret this law. Nobody interprets it for them. So when you read the North Carolina law, it kind of sounds like if somebody broke into your house, you can shoot them. I don't think so. I think it's, 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 it's wrong for several reasons. And 
one of the people over in Raleigh who writes up these things for instructors agrees with me. It's a flawed law. You just can't shoot anybody in your home. It's like an execution. We're not a country that executes people for doing a burglary. And the first time some 17-year-old black kid crawls in a window to steal a $100 notebook and you kill him, you're going to have a problem. You may not be convicted criminally, but you're going to have a hell of a civil problem. You know, I've been reading a book on these problems. It's it's The Law of Self-Defense by Andrew Branca, a lawyer. And it's really discouraging to read it because so many people lost their homes, their farms, their ranches to pay attorneys because they got involved in a civil case where they shot somebody. It's unbelievable, and it's complicated. It's not simple. Um, so I know that when, when you're carrying those 14 rounds around, you want to know where they're going and what they're going to do and how much it's going to cost you in lawyers to explain your way out of this. Um, you don't want to be a cowboy out there. You just want to do enough to protect yourself. And um, castle law is a good law. It's a good thing we have it. It's a good thing they just recently updated it to include your car. And it's a good thing it makes that assumption because things can get confusing. Most of these incidents, you have to understand that the average gunfight is from 10 feet, statistically. It's in poor lighting conditions. 85% of the time, it's poor lighting conditions, okay? I mean, I went to a build, into a building on a day two. I think there was one bulb for the whole five floors. I was in a dark room. There was no lights. And I got a guy cutting up people, and he comes charging over the bed at me. And, I, you know, I got, I got about a half a second to decide what to do. And I unloaded my gun. You know, I fired everything I had, and, and I hit the guy for it. He's high on drugs. He doesn't care. you got to understand that. You're not dealing with a normal person, you know? That's all the time we have today on Freedom Forum Radio. Tune in next week for the conclusion of this interview with Jim Satilli right here on Freedom Forum Radio. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Oh, me the mischief. Everything, everything, everything gonna be.
this morning. <laughs> 